The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Friendship. It can be born out of luck, out of need, out of commitment to work and a cause. But to have friendship, true friendship, there must be trust. Today, we rejoin our friends at the cafe and watch as the sun sets, not just on the cafe, but on our happy little troop. For in life, things never stay the same, as we shall see this Tentacle Tuesday. <laughs> now, before we begin, a quick reminder that this podcast does contain graphic violence, child endangerment, and blah, 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 curse words and may not be suitable for children under the age of 13. <laughs> now, shall we grab our tentacles together and dive in as we rejoin our gang of misfits in Chapter 7 into action? As the sun set behind the cafe, its unusual group of employees sat on the front porch enjoying a break from the long day. Caitlin plopped hard into a wicker chair and kicked off her shoes. I don't know how you do it, Mr. Alistair, she grumbled. That kitchen is stifling. Terence laughed. If you think it's hot now, Katie, wait till August. It goes from sauna level to sauna level plus ten. Ugh, she said, kicking her feet into the air and acting a little childish on purpose. Both of them were trying to cheer Mr. Alistair up. He had become distant and distracted over the last few weeks. Caitlin had even as gone as far as pulling Terrence aside at one point and asking him, Do ex-demons have nightmares? I suppose so. Why? I think he had a doozy last night. And when Sam went to clean the rooms, let's just say it looked like World War III. Alistair apologized and gave her a big tip saying, I'll clean it up later. Caitlin did her best impression of Mr. Alistair and then let her shoulders slump. Hmm, Terence thought aloud. After we're done tonight, let's try to cheer him up. Maybe a little after-work party? Katie inquired, nudging Terence with her elbow. I mean, you could bake a cake. It's been almost eight years since Jack retired and Mr. Alistair came to work at the cafe. <laughs> we'll see, Terence said with a half-grin. Besides, we both know that cake is more for you and Sam. Sam came out of the cafe, still holding her duster in her right hand. She was new to the cafe. She had arrived five months ago and had taken to Mr. Alistair almost immediately. It was odd seeing the two playing together afterwards in the field behind the cafe, but it gave them hope. All things are created by Aldone and are part of the living word. It's imprinted on all of creation if someone like Mr. Alistair could find his way back. Then, perhaps. You look like a cadet review, Sam said confidently, even though she had no idea what it meant. She had heard the comparison in an old movie and felt it was appropriate to use here. Taking the duster, she thrust it into Alistair's face and nearly up his nose. Huh? What? Hey, get that out of my face, Sam, he said, swiping it away. With that, she only became more determined and stood like a little warrior. Shoulders level, arms side by side, the duster like a sword in her left hand. 
The outfit she wore made her stance even more comical. Khaki shorts and a blue top. Her cropped red hair glinting with sweat and sun. I'll vanquish you from this porch, Sam exclaimed, and I'll force you into the fields of Edwards. Edwards was Sam's last name. She had given the grassy knoll the nickname a few weeks back. Alistair leaned forward on the crate he sat on, narrowing his eyes and baring his teeth a little, like a dog about to play rough with its owner. Oh, will you, child? I doubt you have the power to thwart me! He didn't even finish the sentence when this time the duster was up his nose, forcing Mr. Alistair to pull his head back as dirt and dust filled his nostrils. The look on Caitlin and Terence's face had gone from sullen ones to ones of surprise. And then, Alistair grabbing at his nose, rubbing it, seemingly clawing at his own face, his expressions changed with each swipe until finally he let out a huge sneeze, covering Terence and Caitlin with spit and snot. Sam fell back, rumbling with complete laughter and delight as she pointed at them. Caitlin and Terence both looked at each other and then at Mr. Alistair and said, God bless you. Alistair stood directly up and turned to the little girl, rolling around at the steps of the porch, laughing hysterically. His eyes gleamed a bright yellow and a wry smile crossed his face. Why, you little... You have now summoned the great and terrible Mr. Alistair, and I shall have my revenge. He pounced on her with almost a cat-like grace and went to grab her. Sam shrieked in delight and took off as he chased her into the fields. I think we'd better wash up, Terence said, not at all amused at the slimy wet coating they had both just received. Katie just kept muttering to herself, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill her. Terence just smiled and opened the door for her. So, no cake? She just growled in response. He looked back at the two playing together. Yes, Sam had been exactly what Mr. Alistair needed. As the two bounced and pounced on each other in the fields, the sun reached a crest of the horizon, fanning out in a golden streak illuminating all the trees. Alistair lay back and smiled for the first time in days. He looked over at Sam, who now sat motionless as if Sam was in a trance. A strange light seemed to swirl around her and dance in the cool evening air. Sam? He called to her, and she looked back at him with sad, sullen eyes. Sam, he said again. He's in trouble, her voice different, but one he immediately recognized. Arista. Who's in trouble? What are you talking about? Jonah. He's gone to Rift. Lady Cassandra has... The old demon's eyes narrowed in anger. He knew that name all too well. The leader and creator of the Cadric Order. This was not welcome news. Go, quickly, or in three days. Sam collapsed onto the grass, sleeping, unaware that she'd been used as a conduit. Alistair picked her up as gently as he could and carried her back to the cafe. What happened? Terence asked. She went into a trance and then passed out. Gotcha. Okay, bring her upstairs. I'll have Caitlin put up some herbal tea and meet you. Alistair laid the girl on a small bed, pulling back her black and pink sheets as he did so, and then pulling him back up and over the girl, giving her the look of someone sleeping in a dark sky surrounded by cherry blossoms. Caitlin knocked softly and he opened the door and let her in. 
she placed some tea on Sam's nightstand and sat down on the edge of her bed, running her fingers through Sam's hair until slowly she yawned and stretched out, her green eyes blinking in surprise. Caitlin? Yes, sweetie? What happened? How did I get in my bed? Where is Mr. Alistair? Alistair had already slipped out of the room. For such a huge creature, he moved with skillful silence. He entered his own room. He knew he had to move and move now. He looked at himself in the mirror and grasped at the blue amulet Arister had given him. While he wore it, it suppressed his demon aura, allowing him to leave the waste. But it didn't change his physical attributes. He himself could do that, but he would have to use his own life force. If he still had horns, that would have been a different story. They allowed him to tap into the energy that flowed freely like oxygen. But now, his own life force, hmm, he thought about that. But it would mean taking off the amulet. That, that could result in a rebound. A rebound that could pull him back into the waste. This meant his only option was to find someone who could use strong magic. Neither Terrence or Caitlin were good at such things, so... I wonder... Jack, he mumbled to himself. He was incredibly powerful, and if he didn't know how to transform his image, he would know someone who could. Jack. It had been a while since he thought of him. He had gone out of his way to work with Mr. Alistair those first six months, and it was because of those efforts that both Terrence and Caitlin had accepted him. And when Jack left, he had used the Solomon Gate to go home. If he remembered correctly, Unless you physically change the last location in the settings, it would take him exactly to where Jack was. The Solomon Gate. Could he? It would be risky, but... He wondered. He would have preferred to slip away, but he needed someone's help to activate the gate, and although he had his suspicions, he wasn't 100% sure where the device was located. He wasn't even sure that when he found it, if anyone here would even know how to use it. He grabbed a couple of things and swung his axe over his shoulder and headed downstairs to the lobby and then began to investigate the entrance. It was definitely the right size and shape and it would make sense that Jack would have put it someplace the order wouldn't think of. He ran his hand around the molding and there it was, a keyhole, about the same size and shape as the tip of Jack's sword. So, that's it then. He couldn't use the gate after all. None of them could. Jack had made it clear that none of them could use his blade. Defeated, he stood up and began to walk away. He didn't even hear Terrence approach from the kitchen. Mr. Alistair, is there something I can help you with? Perhaps. Please, sit. He could almost see Jack as he mirrored the exact thing Jack had done when he first arrived placing a fresh cup of coffee and a small piece of cake on the long maple countertop. Tell me, Alistair relayed most of his story to Terence and that how he was thinking he could use the Solomon Gate to get to Jack. But since no one could use Jack's sword... Well, Mr. Alistair, that's not entirely true, Terence said as he sipped his cup of coffee and took a bite of cake. While none of us can wield it in battle, Jack specifically told me that one day I would have need for it. Actually, two, but he didn't specify on when or how. Then? Yes. I can unlock the gate, and it will take you to Jack, but... But? The Guardian. 
It was then Alistair remembered Ekmalak had tried sending a sortie of demons into the gate in an attempt to cut off a retreat of Jack's people. He and Ekmalak had watched as several heads came rolling back out of the gate along with a giddy chuckle. Someone or something very powerful guarded that passage. Even he, being a reformed demon, may not be able to pass the guardian's specifications. I will risk it, Alistair said. I was given this charge, this mission. I cannot allow fear to persuade me. Are you sure? Yes, Terence, please. Terence put down the cup and unlocked the safe below the bar and pulled forth the wrapped blade. I had my doubts about you eight years ago when Jack took you in. Caitlin, too. But you've been a good friend and someone worth fighting with and for. Do you wish to say anything to either Caitlin or Sam? No. It is best I just go. Hopefully, with his grace, I can return to stand by your side again. They shook hands, and Terence placed the tip of the sword into the wooden frame. A blue glow ignited along the wood, and both could hear the rumble of large tumblers falling into place. With his grace, Terence said. Alistair nodded and stepped into the gate. Nicole looked up from her work, as if transfixed and without emotion turned to the High Mother. Someone is preparing to use the gate. Oh, are you able to track their presence? Yes, Mother. I have a lock on. Her eyes opened wide. It's him. The one they call Alistair. <laughs> that failure of a demon. <laughs> Splendid! Together, let us interrupt their feed. As you wish, Mother. They raised their hands together over a dark well rising out of the floor. Rakem Almulenak. A reddish glow began to mix with the slurry and spiral into a vortex reaching up and out, seeking the very magic the gate used, seeking the very amulet Alistair wore. Locking onto both, they could divert the traveler to a different destination, one of their choosing. Cassandra smiled with cold impunity. With this, they could kill that wretched creature. And perhaps Jack Stevens, too. Mr. Alistair, seeking help, has gone to find Jack Stevens. But has he unwittingly doomed them both? <laughs> For the Lady Cassandra and that witch of a little sister have diverted him to somewhere he may wish not to be. Can he escape this trap? And what are the ramifications, hmm? I guess there's only one way to find out. Chapter 8, The Other Side of the Gate.